Would you pray with me? Lord, this evening, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. We pray this, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in the name of Jesus. Amen. In that story that you just heard read tonight, did you catch a few places, it's three times throughout the Gospel of John, where John tells us just these little hints about what time it was when Jesus was crucified, the day. We call it Good Friday today, but historically the death of Jesus is tied to something that goes way, way beyond, way farther back than that Friday when he was crucified. You hear it there in John eighteen twenty eight, the first time. The Jews are leading Jesus to go meet Pilate in the courts because they want to have him tried. But they can't go into the court because it says they were they didn't want to defile themselves because of the Passover. They wanted to eat the Passover. Then again in 1839 at that release of Barabbas, that's a, a custom that was done at the Passover. And then the last time, John nineteen fourteen, John tells us, At the crucifixion that it was the day of the preparation of the Passover. Why this repeated mention of the timing of Jesus' death? Why is it that we sing songs like, see the destined day arise, and we sing over and over, hallelujah, lamb of God for sinners slain. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the story, but if you're not, let me just briefly remind us what happens. Remember, Israel is in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. There's slaves there, and God in his mercy sends Moses and says, I want you to deliver my people. You're going to bring them out. But the polite request of Moses goes unheeded by Pharaoh. Pharaoh does not listen to him. And so God says, I'm going to demonstrate now my power towards Pharaoh, towards the Egyptians, and really as a judgment against the false gods of Egypt even. And so he sends plagues upon the land of Egypt. Water turns into blood. There are frogs and gnats and flies, boils, utter darkness over the land as the ninth plague. But after nine horrific plagues where the Lord shows his power and proclaims to the people that he is the one true and living God, Pharaoh is still stubborn hearted and the people are still in slavery. But there is, God says... One last plague. There's a final plague that's coming, and this plague is going to be the one that is going to break the resolve of Pharaoh. It'll be so horrific even that that all of the Egyptians will hurl you out of the land. They will spit you out as quickly as they can. God tells the people he is coming, and that this tenth plague is the death of the firstborn sons. Death is coming to Egypt. But for those who hear the word of the Lord and who heed it and listen to it, he tells them that there is a way to escape from that judgment. Again, you may have heard of this ritual before, but imagine imagine the first time hearing this, how strange this sounds. Each household or a few households come together and they choose together a spotless year-old lamb. They take that lamb and they guard it closely for a few days, and then all of Israel at an appointed time 
of day, one at the same time, they are to slaughter the animals and they are to take care not to break any of their bones as they do that. And then there's to take the blood of that lamb in a basin and to spread that blood on the door frame and over the, the top of the door with a branch of hyssop. And here's why that's, that's so necessary. Listen to Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And God does just as he promises. So in the morning, in every house in Egypt, you wake up to one of two fates. There's either the blood of a lamb on the doorpost, or there is weeping and wailing in your house. Now, why is it important? Why is it important for the gospel writers, for for all of the gospel writers, that they show that Jesus died during the celebration of the Passover? Why spend time on that detail? Brothers and sisters, friends, God wants to make sure that we see connections between these two stories. God is telling us both in the Passover and at the cross that life comes through death. Two theological truths really that stand out in the story of the Passover and that come to the fore at the cross that we see happening. First, death and judgment come to all. And the Bible has an explanation for this, for the fact that death comes to everyone. And we call that explanation sin. So when Adam and Eve rebelled in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, we don't understand that as just like a small kind of localized mistake. Something that really kind of ruined things for them but didn't go very far. We believe, according to the Bible, that that one event was catastrophic. And it led to the death, death falling upon all of humanity. Humanity that was made to have communion with God, made to live with Him, to rule and reign under God's kind leadership, to walk in the garden with Him and know Him. All of that lies broken in the shadow of Genesis 3. Now, because Adam and Eve fell, we now know iniquity from our mother's womb. You don't have to teach your kids to sin. They just naturally come to it. We are rebels from the beginning. And for that rebellion, we receive the just punishment, which is judgment and death. Both physical death, where our bodies cease to exist, but ultimately we're told that there is a second death, a spiritual death that results in hell. So from the, from the beginning, from the fall of Genesis 3 all the way to, to Revelation chapter 20 and the great white throne judgment, the Bible is clear. The wages of sin is death. Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher and writer of the 1700s, he put it this way. Death serves all alike. As he deals with the poor, so he deals with the rich. Death is not awed at the appearance of a proud palace or a numerous attendance or a majestic countenance. Death pulls a king out of his throne and summons him before the judgment seat of God with as few compliments and as little ceremony as he takes the poor man out of his cottage. Death is as rude with emperors as with beggars and handles one with as much gentleness as the other. That's the sobering reality of our situation. The death and judgment come to all. 
But the good news is the second truth we see in the Passover and at the cross. God provides a great substitute to escape judgment. And the story of the Passover, that substitute is clearly the lamb. God was judging the people and bringing death to the firstborn sons of everyone in the land. But all of that stuff about a spotless, perfect, unbroken lamb, that is not just so that God can give one more rule and regulation. He's just not saying, I need to, they don't have enough. I want to give them something else that they need to do. No, that was the way to life for them. It was the way that they would wake up with children in their arms. The blood of that lamb would stand in the place of the blood of the firstborn son. And by substituting the blood of the lamb for the firstborn, the Israelites awoke to life and not death. The Old Testament is a consistent reminder that substitutes in the form of sacrifice were constantly needed. You can't help reading the Old Testament to find blood all over it. Death is all over it as people sacrifice hundreds of thousands of animals because they understood that the death of those animals in their place, it meant that perhaps they could could be forgiven, that God's wrath could be averted, that they didn't have to face God's judgment. But even in the Old Testament, we we get just a a glimpse, a a small peek that all all of those animals... They're meant to point to something bigger or broader. They're meant to point to something more permanent than just the death of those animals. It's what we heard just a glimpse of a few minutes ago in the reading from Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied by the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 53, God would send a suffering servant. One who would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Who like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep before its shears is silent, so this one would open not his mouth. And as Jewish people continued for, for a thousand years, for over a thousand years, to sacrifice lamb after lamb, year after year, God did something remarkable. And you catch the first glimpse of it in the first chapter of John. Do you remember what John the Baptist says as he looks up from the Jordan River and he's baptizing and he sees Jesus walking to him? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus comes to the end of his life in Matthew 26, it tells us that he gathered for one final meal with his disciples in an upper room. And he's observing of all meals a Passover meal. And there, there Jesus takes this bread that for thousands of years has been used to point back a reminder of what God did for them in Exodus. And he has the audacity to say, this bread, take and eat. This is not just a reminder of Exodus. This is my body. And he takes a cup and he tells them to drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood, not the blood of the Lamb, but my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. As Pilate stands in judgment over Jesus, John 19.6 tells us that, that Pilate finds no guilt in him. This Jesus, like the Passover Lamb, was unblemished and spotless, without any sin. 
Just a few verses later, Jesus has shed his blood and died. And John gives us that strange story that you just heard read. Remember, uh, they break the legs of the criminals so that they would hurry up. It was, it was a way to make sure that they died relatively quickly. They get to Jesus and he is already dead. So they pierce his side. And then John tells us this was done. These things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones was broken. And that's just a direct quote from Exodus twelve forty six. So if they did not understand it at the time, the apostles eventually understood what was going on. It's why Peter could write in 1 Peter 1, You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It's how Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 5, Christ Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. That's why all the way through the Bible to the very end, in Revelation chapter 5, John, the author of the gospel we read, he gets a vision of a lamb that is standing as though it had been slain. And falling down around the lamb are the elders proclaiming, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Brothers and sisters, the story that we read tonight in the Gospels is the story of the true and better Passover. The lamb who would not be sacrificed year after year and time after time because the blood couldn't do anything. But the perfect spotless lamb of God whose blood would be shed once for all for those who deserve death and judgment so that you and I, brothers and sisters, We could look at the coming judgment, the death that is due us, and we could find a substitute. The great Lamb of God, the substitute provided to escape his punishment. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. Friends, is this what you think about Jesus? Are we tempted to merely think of him as a good man, as a moral teacher, someone to give us a way for our kids to live uprightly? If that's the way that we have thought about them, then our picture of Jesus is far too small. You may have come in here tonight thinking you need just a little religion or a little morality, just just a little bit of peace. But what God would have us all know and remind us of is that we don't just need a little bit of that. We need a great substitute. Death comes to all people. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is that God in his mercy has done something about this. And he has told us how we might escape death. How we might escape hell. He has sent his own son, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, slain for us. And even today, whether it is the first time or the thousandth time, He invites us to trust in him. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your gracious gift of sending your son to die for us as our substitute. We pray even now as we take this meal that we would see and savor the gift of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.